0: Hey, this is Joey.
1: And this is Austin.
0: And you're listening to Dark Sign Hero. Today we'll be talking about Harry Potter and a bit about Hogwarts Legacy. Minor spoilers for the game ahead. Austin, I'm
1: ready when you are. Let's do it. Alright, man. I mean, this week we are talking about Harry Potter. So. Right. Let's talk about it.
0: It's- one, one and two. I'd say. It, those are pretty l- more lighthearted compared to the rest of the franchise, you know, cause it was definitely, you can definitely tell yeah. there's a, a shift in tone when you go from two to three, def- like um from Chamber of yeah. Secrets to Prisoner of Azkaban, right?
1: Yeah. There's a big reason for that too, because the first two movies were directed by Chris Columbus. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: He did Christmas with the Cranks and Home Alone and stuff. <clears throat> but right. um. So he that was like his vibe that he was going for. And then right. they took a two year it... break after the second movie for the third one. Mm-hmm. And it was a big change.
0: Right. Was that for the um the actor that played Dumbledore dying? Was that in for was that yeah. for that reason?
1: Yeah, the original actor did die after the second movie. So mm-hmm. that's why they recast him into the third one and it was the same Dumbledore for the rest of the movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the third one was helmed by uh Alfonso Cuarón who did Children of That's Men good. and that movie Gravity from 2013, that space one where it was just one shot.
0: Definitely a shift in tone from 2 to 3.
1: And then big shift. Big shift.
0: And then I would say also visually, like if you look at from like 3, it's not like you can definitely like the the palette, like the color palette they they yeah. used. Yeah. There was definitely a yeah, definitely a darker palette for the for that one from three to definitely onward three to seven. And yeah. It was a
1: lot of blues and grays and things like that. Yeah,
0: And, you know, yep. I, I mean, you know, I get it. Like they're getting older. So you want to use a, like a more serious, like direction for the characters, because obviously, you know, the, the actors are for the movie are getting older. You know, it's how it is in the books. Yeah. You know, they, they get older. Yeah. And then uh, also the, the readers and the viewers of the movies are, you know, getting older so that you want to kind of like make it more relatable to them as well.
1: And it's true. Yeah. I mean, as you get older, life gets more serious in real life. I mean, it would reflect that across the books as well and and the movies. So I think it was the right choice, but it is still quite a shock after the second movie. Mm mm-hmm. And then, of course, the fourth one, which actually, in my opinion, returned to a little bit more of the kind of just fun adventure that the first two movies had, Goblet of Fire. Did you feel that at all? Did you remember Goblet of Fire?
0: Yes, that's actually my favorite uh, movie out of all of them. I would say visually, like visually, like there's a lot of, I don't know, just there's a lot of fun scenes in that movie there's the underwater scene that i thought was pretty cool with the mermaid and then of course you know the the moment the big moment at the very end of the of the movie yeah i mean that's
1: yeah that was there's shocking that, that big
0: mean, that um that big return because you know the it's, reveal yeah i feel like i feel like for that moment in harry's story there was a big mm-hmm. growing up moment in that after that because it's like well yeah You know, he, you think that he defeated him in the first one, but then, you know, come the Goblet of Fire and then you find out, oh, he's not actually dead. He's brought back. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's trying to deal with the death of Robert Robert Pattinson's character. What, Cedric? Uh, Cedric Diggory. Cedric?
1: Cedric Diggory. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you feel, I mean, I feel like everyone at that, after that, everyone just blamed Harry for his death a little bit, you know?
1: um yeah well the big issue and you know they adapted this from the books it's much more prevalent in the books but it is in the movie everyone did blame harry you're right but they also didn't really believe him there was a big push that like no one like the the ministry of magic they didn't believe Dumbledore. dumbledore was back which carried over into the order of the phoenix the -hmm. next movie and i mean harry the whole time is just saying we have to be prepared for war we have to fight this death eater threat and voldemort i mean no one believed him i mean his friends did of course and uh you know cedric diggory you know warping back with his body and that terrible scene with the dad crying out you know right how his son's dead but like no one really knew exactly what happened but they couldn't even fathom that Voldemort was back right so i mean that was the that was the big issue that carried over for several films like trying to convince that Voldemort's actually back you know right yeah i mean but goblet of fire that holds a special place in my heart because i was just at the perfect age for that movie man i i that is my favorite as well i have to agree and i i had it on dvd uh, back in the day, and I would just rewatch it over and over and over again. Man, I was—it was the coolest film, in my opinion. And I even played the DS game. But yeah, I I love Goblet of Fire. But you're right. After, after Goblet of Fire, I mean, uh, yeah, Goblet of Fire. He grew up, and the films reflected that. After that, they took on David Yates, I believe, was the director for the rest of the films. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very, very somber, dark tone. There's a couple of light, funny moments, but nowhere near the the same magic as the previous films, you know? Mm. And the rest of the films are extremely serious and, you know, dealing with the threat of Voldemort. He grew up, like you said, you know. Yeah. And the films grew up too. Yeah.
0: I don't know how I, I don't know how you felt about um Order of Phoenix, but, you know, obviously with the Ministry of Magic trying to, you know, assess or I guess um kind of just, you know, process what happened after number four. It mm-hmm. definitely I don't know. A little bit in number five, it felt like there was a little. It got a little political. I don't know how you felt about the Order of the Phoenix, just because obviously it did. It did, and and what I mean by political, I mean like it. It, meaning because it involved more of the Ministry of Magic. You know, it got more. Mm-hmm. They got more involved in the story. Is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the Ministry of Magic was heard of, kind of, in the previous films, but mm-hmm. it it really became there, a, a yeah. big a big yeah. point in the story their, the, their present, the their
0: presence was more felt and obviously more seen in the uh the next like last three movies
1: it's very true yeah and I, guess I, if four. I correct me if i'm mistaken but i'm pretty sure professor umbridge from order of the phoenix that terrible you know bitchy lady you know who, <laughs> who came on board <laughs> mm-hmm. uh for for defense of the dark arts i mean i think she was appointed by the ministry if i'm not mistaken was that right have to yeah i have to look that so. up but yeah. i'm pretty so yeah you're right the ministry definitely it definitely got involved it was and i it painted them in a bad light too you know
0: yeah
1: the ministry kind of became the antagonist of the rest of the films well well and then you also
0: see um and after number five, um, because mm-hmm. there was a little bit more of I felt like there was you could you could see like there's more corruption um, behind the scenes with the Ministry of Magic because there was uh, the involvement of, I want to say, like, you see you see a little bit more of like Draco's dad and
1: his family a little bit. Sadly, the way things usually go is if you have too much money, like way too much money, it usually goes to your head. Mm-hmm. That's reflected in the Harry Potter films through the Malfoys
0: yeah as draco you see him as you know just this uh spoiled you know rich kid who thinks he's better than everyone he kind of tries to show that and you know when he meets harry for the first time in the first you know in the um the sorcerer's stone Mm -hmm. and um but then you know you see him later on like you see him just kind of like you know his mindset changes after i would say like what uh um
1: when he gets involved with the Death Eater stuff, is right. when he starts to break down.
0: Right, because you kind of see it, you see him like, oh, this isn't you know, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, basically, it's right? Just, yeah, yeah now, I can mean, you can see how it how it's affected his family. can I see it. His dad more so is you know sticks with it. His, his mom's kind of. I feel like his mom was kind of on the fence about the whole thing. hmm like she wasn't yeah, like fully committed right. to the death eaters but she was you know just because you know oh my husband's you know part of this um this group you know you, you know you got to stand yeah. by his side and support you know support him yeah,
1: yeah the mom i the way i you know gleaned from the story she just really cared about <clears throat> the safety of her son and and husband you know because towards the later films i mean it was a very violent time the death eaters are you know basically a terrorist group mm-hmm. and um and her family's involved with it and it's funny because the Malfoys, you know at the beginning movies the first four or so mm-hmm. they're very uppity they're very well to do And they think everything is going to be fine, and that that they're on the winning side secretly, you know. And then the way things go with Voldemort just kind of going further and further into violence, and the rest of the Death Eaters, you know, that family—not just Draco, but also the husband, and you know, by extent the mother—that it just that family breaks down. That Malfoys really are very much weakened, like they're they're kind of shattered. I mean, the father he goes to Azkaban um for a minute Mm -hmm. and draco he has all these psychological problems because he's asked to kill dumbledore and he's like you know it's it's his principle basically that's gonna weigh on on a on a student right it's tough it was the movies definitely turned dark towards the end you know
0: um again after number four there was definitely more of like this battle between good and evil like light and darkness
1: it's funny, uh, just dawned on me just through our conversation here that, you know, if you look up the entire Harry Potter movies, one through eight, and the books, um, it's, the theme is actually, you know, you start with new beginnings, magical mm-hmm. new things, you know, a new adventure, and it progresses as things grow older, and it turns to everything breaking and shattering. That includes their their egos, their, the way they think about the world. You know, physically, Hogwarts gets destroyed towards the end, and then at the very, very end, it's it's uh, new beginnings again. It's like a full cycle, mm-hmm. a circle.
0: I was going to go back to uh, the Haplet Prince for a second, because in the Haplet Prince, you know, that's the... in the the books and the movie, that's the... you know, we have the moment where Dumbledore um, is killed by Stape, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know through Harry's eyes you understand like you know you're upset you're furious at like seeing this man that's taking you under his wing that's um you know been your friend the entire way through your um, father figure yeah your father figure and then you just see this person that you know that you thought hated you the entire time as well but really once you learn like the like the, the story of Snape and you know his mom and his well, I guess his parents his parents and Snape and, mm-hmm. you know, he he was protecting him, too, but he was also doing what he did to Dumbledore, you know, to make it look like he was still on Voldemort's side, you know? He was doing it for—he had a purpose behind it, and it wasn't, you know, you know, just because he just hated Dumbledore. No, it was because he—I'm sure if he didn't do it, he would have been killed himself by Voldemort.
1: True. I mean, he was killed eventually. Remember the I mean, whole McKinney scene, the snake? Yeah. Well, yeah, so I guess that's the kind of the recap of all the movies. So a couple of weeks ago, I actually watched the uh, a documentary I found on j k. Rowling. um and it was really enlightening, man. I, it was crazy because it kind of told the whole story on how like what her life was before Harry Potter made it big. And it talked about. Um, kind of like first it started with her childhood and it kind of detailed how she grew up by a forest um, with her sister um, and her father and mother and you know when she was a kid she would always want to be out there and you know just kind of explore and just feel the, the vibe of the forest and she did like sometimes say like forest can be really scary but you know she was she was into that she just really liked being out there she said like it had this kind of dark magical feeling to it and i can actually attest to that i've i spent a lot of time in the forest as a as a boy scout Mm -hmm. and there were times when i felt that and uh so i totally get what she's saying but she took it to another level after she would come home for the day from her you know adventure in the forest alone she would start writing stories you know ideas Mm -hmm. of what what could happen like if there's anything creature any creatures or something living in the woods and she would write it as a kid and she'd show it to her sister who loved it, which spurred her on and, you know, made her write even more. Um, so I think it's really cool that she has that kind of, you know, a direct background, you know, for like the dark forest, you know, and, and Harry Potter, you can definitely see the influence. Yeah. Um, and then it moved on to kind of, um, as she matured, um, a big kind of driving, uh, force for her was always wanting the approval for her father or of her father. And um, it took a long time for her to get out of that mindset. Uh, In the documentary, she said it took longer than she'd like to admit. Um, So, I mean, even it went into like when she was college age, she wanted to really uh, get a degree in English um, at the university in somewhere in England. And uh, she was talked out of it by her father and somewhat her mother and uh they said, you know, English is not a wise degree. You can you're not really gonna make money from it. Kinda how it is today, you know. Same same kind of uh feeling towards the English degree. I mean the the best you could do she that her mother made her realize is probably just be an English teacher or just constantly just being the the university system, you know, mm-hmm. and so she instead majored in French and the classics, um, which is essentially, you know, it's what it sounds, you're learning French while also having some, some bit of education in like classic literature and stuff. So, I mean, that's because she had, she wanted her approval of her father mainly and also her mother. And, um, and it's really sad how it always, she always had to, um, you know, kind of make them happy. She 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 sadly wasn't too confident is what she explained in the documentary. Mm -hmm. The only thing she, she felt like really, really, really sure of in her life is that she could tell a story. She knew she could do that. And so anyway, she went on, you know, she wrote tons of tons of little stories and books and stuff, but it was it wasn't until after she married a news journalist and had a daughter, um, and then went through a terrible divorce that she finally started writing Harry Potter. And that divorce nearly ruined her. Um it put her in an extremely hard situation. She was living in welfare, on on welfare. and um, she was almost homeless, but thankfully, welfare found her a place to live. um but it was it was really run down, and it's just a really hard situation. I mean, just to nail home the fact of how hard it was, I mean, uh, there were many nights where she would have her daughter eat, eat dinner, but she would go without. Because there just wasn't enough. Um, I mean, that's terrible. You know, it's that's mm-hmm. really, really hard stuff. And but the only thing that got her out of this deep, dark depression um, that she was in was just to write. Just she had the idea, writing the the train uh, back home. Um, this flash of an image of a young boy with a lightning scar on his forehead, and uh, she knew she had something. And she, you know, as the writing process grew, she had this whole story and series and, you know, the rest is kind of history, but she went through a lot of really hard stuff. And, um, on top of that, right before, um, she started writing Harry Potter, her mother died, um, of a terrible disease. And so it, I mean, it took a big toll and she actually said in the documentary that, um, the death of her mother heavily influenced, um, The writing or like the themes of the entire series so i mean it was a really cool documentary but uh you know Mm. it just makes you think like it's just crazy how hard you know some people have it and to have this fairy tale ending that she has you know with with their great success it just it kind of makes me appreciate harry potter a lot more right yeah Yeah. just can't give up, man. It's life gets hard, but you just got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Oh. And also she knew that, that she just knew she had it in her like gut feeling that Harry Potter would be big. Mm -hmm. She just knew she didn't know how big, but she knew it would be pretty successful. But, um, her biggest hurdle once the book was the first book was done was she just had to get a publisher to publish it. And she went through dozens and dozens of rejections from mm-hmm. publishers until but she never gave up she just had to keep trying she, until she finally finally found a publisher and of course the rest is history so right i don't know man it's just kind of one of those amazing stories that inspire you know young writers and anyone trying to be a creative um you know it's just it's amazing because you know if you don't give up there it it could happen you know it could happen do you want to move over to your hogwarts legacy review uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'd love to yeah, talk so. about it. Um, Everybody,
1: so, uh, so I have not played Hogwarts Legacy, but Joey has been going really hard into the game. Uh, you said you're level 11, right? Yes. Yeah, let's hear it. So
0: story-wise, it's definitely before um, the events of, like when we see Harry and his friends come to Hogwarts, you know, before Dumbledore's the headmaster. Um, there's a different mm-hmm. headmaster here. Um. But I would say, because so you so you start out as um, you want me to tell you what my I name my you can name your character. You want me to tell you what I named my character?
1: Yes, let's hear it.
0: <laughs> I named him. I named him James Bond.
1: James Bond. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> I was like, it's like, oh,
0: I can name him. I want to name him something that's so I guess not unique, but unique to like to just the game that I'm playing in this. in and. It's like all right, yeah. it's James bond. Yeah. And it's it's like all right, well, he's going to be and it's funny too because a lot of um games like when you see the dialogue the, the char- your character talking between the characters in the story, sometimes they don't really show um your the name that you chose for him, but it does actually, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. And wow. so when you see him your character talking to the characters in in the game, it does show your name um, when you're talking, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool,
1: man. How's the uh the the spell casting? Does it feel good?
0: I okay, so here's my little nitpicky thing so far. I do like that you um get to learn different spells. Um when you go and progress through the story, you know, you be um so how it starts out is that you're um the students get um taken on. Mm-hmm. Um so you like, yeah, you're, um, you're this fifth-year student, you're, um, you're being taken over to Hogwarts, and what happens is that you end up, um, taking, like, a detour on your way to the school, so you get, um, stopped by, or I guess, like, this dragon comes out, and you get stopped by the dragon, so you have to kind of, like, walk your way through this, take this detour, I guess, to the school. Mm-hmm. And so, you make your way through to this, like, these ruins, these ruins, uh, but anyway, so you make your way through, and you you eventually find like this um like this wall. You have to figure out what um like these symbols are on the wall, and your character has the special connection to ancient magic, which I think is pretty cool. Eventually, find out how to like um I guess you you activate the wall, and you eventually make your your way over to um Greencots, which is where next part of the story is and you, um, go, th- which I thought was pretty cool. Cause it kind of dives more. It, it makes you, it immerses you into more into Hogwarts and to these other parts of the Harry Potter world that JK mm-hmm. Rowling created. That's and, cool. Yeah. Like you get to go to Hogsmeade and you get to create your own, um, wand. You get to, uh, get potions for your, your class for when your potion classes, um, so yeah. I so think what this,
1: rating would you give it over like a scale of one to ten, ten being the best? I just based on your current experiences.
0: I would, I would say, I would say like an eight out of ten, like a solid eight out of ten. Okay.
1: It's That's a decent score.
0: Yeah, I would. It's like the one nitpicky thing I was gonna mention about the like the gameplay is that. To me I just feel it feels a little repetitive like you know with the spell casting there is a basic uh uh spell you learn early on in the game um you do have mm-hmm. like this hand me down wand and so you do have that to use at the beginning of the game and but you do learn um spells like uh like levioso and accio and all these uh, cool different spells that mm-hmm. the game dives into uh I feel like a lot of the, I don't know For me, I didn't really notice uh, some of them, I guess, in the in the movies, but it definitely immerses you. It makes you feel like you're you're a wizard, Harry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I so. Yeah. But so far, it's a really fun game. I feel like the big thing for me is the reason why it's so fun is because there's so much exploring that you can do in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So with the with the game having launched on February 10th. So that would put us at about. Just over a month of the game being out. The game has already surpassed the physical and digital sales of Elden Ring for the UK.
1: That is so crazy, man. Yeah.
0: So with the 12 million copies that it's already sold within the first two weeks, having it being at about $850 million, so that I'm sure that number is going to be higher um, yeah. now. And to me, that's... Awesome because I'm a type of person that loves open world games like stuff like Skyrim and uh, games like Assassin's Creed. Like, just you can basically, mm-hmm. and you know, to me, it's like, well, I, I do want to progress further in the story, but I also want to go and do all these other side quests that the game has to offer me. You know, to me, like, if that, like, if you do love open world games and a really good solid story, I would definitely check it out, try it for yourself. Would you
1: say it. you need to be a Harry Potter fan to enjoy the game?
0: I mean, no to me like i obviously, you know I'm not super knowledgeable on like Harry Potter, if you put me in a room with say my mom or like one of my aunts or cousins, like you can definitely tell that I would get smoked in like a trivia con in trivia game, <laughs> it definitely like makes it feel like you're like obviously you know you do like if you're a Harry Potter like a huge Harry Potter fan, you will definitely get a lot of the Easter eggs and references that are made throughout the game definitely just immerses you in a in a way that you know you learn it you learn more and more about the about the things that they mention in the books and the movies as you progress further on in the story thanks for listening catch you again next week
1: yep thanks for listening everybody and keep on keeping on
0: You've been listening to Darkshine Hero. Stay tuned for next week where we will be talking about the history of horror films as well as the subgenre, the slasher.